The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Inspired, informed, motivated, and recharged on radio's favorite power hour, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Every day is a stellar day on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Let's get this party started. Cynthia will be back to kick it all off after this break. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, hello, all you stars out there, you power partners. Welcome to radio's finest program of positive book talk, Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and other topics that will empower you on a daily basis. My name is Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And we are delighted to always be your personal growth success coaches here on the Airwaves bringing you authors, experts, and information that helps you enjoy a a more fulfilled life. So get ready to pump that energy and live, laugh, learn, and lead, because we are a show about following your heart. We call it Champagne for the Spirit. 
Well, in our Tea for Two segment today, Heather and I are going to show you how to take this job and love it. And followed by that, it's going to be the activism cure, how doing good for others is as good as doing good for yourself. And finally, in our third segment, Reginald Jensen returns with 37 years ago, my doctor told me I had three years to live. We're going to get healthy. So our purpose in providing you sh- this show is to communicate that you already possess everything you need to be the writer, producer, director, and, of course, star of your own show, your own life, your own production. We have some rules that Heather and I abide by. Heather? Yeah, most definitely. We want you to smile, have fun, and be willing to take that chance to be wild and crazy. Yeah, there's a lot of studies showing that if you're not happy, if you put a smile on your face, you will become happy. So you can make yourself happy. We also want you to read good books. Sometimes they're books that you've never heard of. As an author, I have five bestsellers out there, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Be the Star You Are, Be the Star You Are for Teens, The Business of Show Business, and Miracle Moments. So go to star-style.com. You can buy autographed copies. And uh, now that it's this time of year where there's graduation and all kinds of different festivities, you know, whether it's a birthday or just because a book is something for a lifetime, star-style.com. Our motto here is to be a leader. You must be a reader. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by the Carmony Collection. It's handmade canvases, totes, clutches, and candles. Call 925-785-7827 if you want to be green and clean and give that perfect gift. Or you can visit myspace.com forward slash carmonyclutches.com. That's Carmony with a K, clutches with a K. And this is by Thomas Carlyle, who was a historian and an essayist. It is the first of all problems for a man to find out what kind of work he is to do in this universe. Then get busy, do it, and love it. Well, that leads <laughs> me right into our our show for today. You know the song, you know, Love the One You're With, or that other song, Take This Job and Shove It. Well, what about Love the Job You're In, or Take This Job and Love It? You don't need to say goodbye to your boss to have a fulfilling professional life. In just a few easy steps, you can gain a whole new attitude. You can learn to love your job, even your cranky coworkers or ever overwhelming deadlines or even that mean old boss by changing yourself. So how about in this era of hiring freezes and downsizing, instead of just sprucing up your resume to look ahead, what about having an attitude adjustment and deciding, I love this job? Well, we know, Heather, that you and I both love what we do. And, you know, exactly. when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And you, of all people, are so happy with your work. So give us a few tips how we can take this job and love it. Yeah, and, you know, it's so funny you're talking about this song. and You can always the whole part about if you can't be in the job you love, love the job you're in. That's exactly what I'm saying. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Love the job you're in, and instead of take this job and shove it, take this job and love it. And really it gets down to all of us have that opportunity. You know, we can all do that. So it's important. Well, before we had entered this historic recession that we're in right now, it was really easy um, to leave a job if you didn't love it. All you had to do was just knock on the door of another employer, and you could pretty much, you know, with what your current status was, you could start a job in the next week. Um, But as we know today, 
it's not only hard to get a job you love, but it's just hard to get a job. So it's one of those things to be so fortunate if you are working right now, if you haven't been hit by that recession, you've lost your job. Instead, to take your time, you know, to kind of revamp it to make sure because we're all about, you know, fake it till you make it, attitude, you know, that when you make an attitude adjustment, it's an overall everything. So just some kind of tips of how to take your current job status and maybe it's something you're not right now or at least after um, prior to 15 minutes ago, you weren't thinking it was the greatest thing. So hopefully this will help. So one is be realistic. Um, no one's life is perfect and not even, you know, no one's going to have every single day is going to be perfect. So it's okay to have a bad day at work, a bad week, a bad month. Um, just know that with, with having that optimism, it leaves room for improvement of knowing, you know, this too shall pass. I'm just having a rough time. And that there leads to the next one, be positive. Um, focus, instead of focusing on what you're not doing right at work, focus on what you are doing. Um, you know, the, the good things, the, the positive things, little improvements. And also be positive to other people. Positivity is very contagious. And when you tell someone, you take the time to just tell someone, hey, you know, you're really good on that report today, or thanks so much for helping me. It goes a long way. It makes a more positive environment. And that's another thing, clear the air. Sometimes you may have the dream job, but you have the nightmare coworkers. So if you have a problem with someone, definitely, you know, come forward. Instead of creating a more hostile environment, you know, by, you know, chit-chatting around the water cooler about this someone with someone else or, you know, spreading room. You don't, high school is over. You don't need to do that. Um, that's you know, so important. Okay. I just wanted to jump in there because I really, I'm a huge believer in in what you just said of, you know, there's always going to be those complainers. There's always going to be those coworkers that want to badmouth something. But it doesn't have to be you. And so when people are saying bad things, you need to distance yourself from them. And you don't have to agree with them. So you just, you really do want to just move away from the negativity because misery may love company, but it's going to bring you down. Find exactly. something constructive to say and move away from the exactly. complainers. Exactly. Build a bridge and get over it. <laughs> I like <laughs> that. Build a bridge. Good idea. Exactly. Bridges are more helpful when you're getting up, when you're building them than when you're burning them. So yeah. Keep yes. that in mind, you know, especially in the workplace. Because as you said, you never know, you know, talking about once things can get back to a bot, you don't want to look like, you know, the – Chatty Kathy or someone who doesn't know how to be direct with someone and tell, you know, let, let someone know if you're having an issue with them or if there's something. That way it can get resolved and you can move on from that. And, you know, also, I want to just put something in there, too, uh, yeah. when there are problems. Like bad managers can really be a health hazard. In fact, um, there have been studies done that a supervisor who stresses you out increases your chances of a heart attack by 64%. So instead of just getting angry and quitting, you've got to go to what you were just saying. First, try, sit down with them and ask what would make him or her happy. What would it, how would your performance, what would you need to do in order to make this person happy? And if the stress continues, it's really up to you to change your attitude, to not take it personally, to let it go right over your head and decide you're going to do the best job you can, not for the, for the supervisor, because you own this job yourself. Exactly. And one thing, too, if it's really, you know, a hard, you're really unhappy there, just remember, too, this isn't forever. Right now, this job that you're in might feel like a forever job, 
But this won't always be the case if you play your cards right. If you work hard, if you, you know, continuously productivity, finding other ways to improve yourself so that when it's time to make a transition to another job, um, that, you know, you can make that, um, you, you can show of all the great things you've achieved. And another That's thing That's a really too, important thing is if you're feeling that you're not growing in your job, uh, do remember that, that especially in this day and age, people are, cha- people are not as loyal as they used to be and companies aren't as loyal. So people are moving all the time. So use that time to update your resume, perhaps call headhunters uh, to uh, do some network. Plan your escape, get, plan your confidence, and do the best work that you can so you'll have something to move on to. Exactly. And as we keep encouraging is that you, know, you really should, you know, love your job. And that should be, but the key thing to remember is loving your job should be an aspect of your life, not your entire life. So if your job has consumed you, if you want to stay happy, if you want to be more productive and happy in life, get, a, get happy at work, get an outside life, get involved, do some volunteering, make sure you make time for yourself as well as friends family. And then in this outside lifetime, it might be a chance for you to, you know, maybe take some classes or something that could possibly help you improve. Take some classes at a junior college that could possibly help you make a transition. But that is, make sure that you is always really great advice. And I wanted just to go back to what you were saying about volunteering outside of work to make meaning. Many people will tell me when they come in for a coaching session that their job is boring, but the worst thing is that it has no meaning. They feel like they're not making meaning. Well, if your job is paying your bills and keeping a roof over your head and food in your stomach and gas in your car, then perhaps what you were just saying is it's the best way, volunteering, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment with the Activism Cure. Volunteering is a fabulous way to get new skills, to make sure that you are helping other people because the more you help others, the more you help yourself. And also you can use this time to explore a hobby. Maybe there's something that you would really enjoy doing that you're not doing now, but you don't know how to transition that into a work. So maybe by starting a hobby or, as you said, take a class and then take a hobby, and then that might be your jump start. Exactly. Just constantly there's – it's kind of sad sometimes to read things that say, make sure you 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 schedule one fun thing every day. And that's sad that you have to schedule in fun or enjoyment. So try to find, you know, that enjoyment in your job. And that's one thing, too. We're, we're such a big thing of waking up in the morning with that, oh, God, got to go to work, you know, with joy. Like, got to go to work, yay. Not like, oh, God, got to go to work. And as we said before, is that not every day is perfect. There are going to be days that are hard, they're tough. There should also be these days that you really love your job and really play. So when you're getting out into the workforce, don't just settle um, don't just be looking for jobs that, as of right now, um, you know, to pay the bills. Because a lot of times we get stuck in those jobs. Those jobs we think, you know, this is just going to be while I'm in college, while I can do. And before you know it, you've been there four years. It's comfortable. It's paying the bills. You're not really happy. Make sure keep striving more. Keep challenging yourself. Look for more out there. Um, and just don't do it. Things start off hard. Uh, they don't call it easy. They call it work. But you can really find, you know, good aspects of it. Also, you know, possibly look for a location of a place. For me, I work at a place that's located close to the beach. So that's why even on a stressful day on my lunchtime, I have the ability to go for a walk close to the beach. And that's kind of a great, you know, sanctuary. So when you're looking for places um, to start working, you know, check out all the different things, how far it is from your home, uh, where it's located, close by. 
other small little um, incentives that you probably wouldn't realize are going to stress you out um, to make sure it works for you. If it's close to your home, close to friends, has a good location to some place you'd like to go and de-stress, those are all little things that makes it so that work um, can have little perks and happiness about it. You can make it a good day. Well, and the other thing, you know, that I just want to say about any work is I have always been of the belief that it doesn't matter whose name is on your paycheck, that we are all self-employed. If you can look at work as the, uh, the fact that you own what you're doing and take pride in your work and be working towards a common goal, then we're all really self-employed. And when we feel like we're self-employed, it gives us a feeling of control. And when we feel like we have control, we enjoy it. So much more. So all of these tips that you are giving, giving, Heather, about creating an attitude adjustment and uh, getting meaningful, finding some meaning outside of work or taking a walk, exercising, doing things that are going to make you happy, they can really help towards long-term happiness, less stress, and finding actually the job that you will love. So in, again, in this economy, we want to all keep our jobs. We want to all keep a paycheck. So just turn your stumbling blocks into stepping stones and make this Ooh. a job you love. Love that. I love the assembly with uh, stepping stones. <laughs> well, you know, this is another thing. I think getting out into nature, and it just it made me think, you know, I have uh, one of the things that we've done here at my house, at our house, is the house now, uh, my gardens are now um, nationally certified as a wildlife refuge. And what? so that was very exciting that, uh, that we got certified. And as I was doing this and applying for it, I thought, you know, if I didn't have work, I would love to work for something like this, something that had to do with the garden. So, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunities out there. So we all just want to, you know, take advantage of them. Well, would you give out the websites? Most definitely. Why don't you go to BeTheStarYouAre.org, BeTheStarYouAre.com, and MySweets.com forward slash Carmine Clutches, both with a K. All right. Well, can giving a donation or volunteering in a food bank actually release the same pleasure endorphins as having sex? Well, you're going to find out in our next segment when we investigate the activism cure. I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be right back, and we want you to take your job and love it. Stay with us. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. You know what it means to lead your life? We live in a high-tech world where personal time sometimes feels non-existent. In order to lead the pack, you have to first take care of you, the leader of your life. Even when you are an employee, you are always self-employed. Take pride in your work. 
Take many vacations to rejuvenate your spirit. Find a focus partner and share your business strengths and weaknesses. Create relationships of trust by doing what you say you will do. Follow up and get back to people in a timely fashion. Write a personal mission statement and live it daily. Upgrade your integrity quotient and be proactive in staying healthy. Increase your skills by reading, writing, and communicating. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For professional business consultations to jumpstart your leadership life, call 925-377-7827 or visit star-style.com. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature Star Style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7828. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com You can be the star you are. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestaryouare.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you, you power partners, for staying with us. I am Cynthia Bryan, and you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Well, new science states that doing good actually changes you physiologically. Albert Schweitzer wrote, the only ones among you who will be truly happy are those who have sought and found out how to serve others in life. A National Institute on Aging study says that people that are helping others live longer and they are happier and live more fulfilled lives. What would you do if you knew that you could cure yourself of your phobias if you were actually helping others and working? So then the uh, study called Americans Changing Lives followed more than 3,600 people from 1986 to 2006. And these researchers discovered that volunteers had an advantage over those who didn't do good work. People of all ages who did community service were happier, they experienced better physical health, and they were less depressed, which is very important thing, especially in these times of economic stress. And similarly, Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston found that even people with chronic pain could alleviate their suffering by spending time helping others. And as soon as the participants began their training in their chosen programs, 
they experienced reduced pain and disability and less depression. So then when they were polled again after volunteering for several months, the participants reported that their well-being had continued to improve, and some of them were pain-free completely. Now, why does this happen? It's because when we are focused on helping others, we're not focused on our own aches, pains, complaints, et cetera. So it's important that we decide that we want to take action to do something outside ourselves. Now, why did the altruistic actions benefit their health? People in the study attributed their improvements to feeling needed. You know, we have that uh, that syndrome, the empty nest syndrome, when kids go away to college and the husband and wife are left there looking at each other and they feel like they're not needed anymore and then their relationships fall apart, et cetera. We have to develop new relationships. We have to always keep growing as people and have growth experiences. And when we do, we feel better about ourselves. So what is the anatomy of a charity? Well, recently scientists have discovered a physiological basis for that warm, fuzzy feeling that seems to accompany giving. Scans show that the brain structures that are activated when you get a reward are the same ones that are activated when you give. And in fact, when you give, they are activated more. And this study was done at the National Institute of Neurological Disorders and Strokes. And what they said is that the activation releases the feel-good chemicals that trigger a surge of physical energy. Among those chemicals is dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter that reinforces the human tendency to do whatever makes us feel great. So when we're doing good deeds, we are rewarded by a real dopamine plus, like a dopamine injection. And giving a donation to a charity or volunteering at somewhere, whether it be a food bank or a literacy charity or at school or at a church function or at a shelter or with foster kids or whatever it would be with any kind of, of um, hurricane victim, etc. This tweaks the same pleasure source that lights up when we are eating something we love or when we are having sexual relations with someone that we really love or we enjoy being with. So it's clear that helping others, even if it's just volunteering for a few hours every week, makes people's moods improve. Now, we here at Be The Star You Are, we have many volunteers, most of whom are teenagers, and over the past ten and a half years, I have followed what happens with these teens when they volunteer. And we've had many at-risk teens that came to us that were all surly. And when they felt that they were needed, that they were making a difference, that they had talents that they could give to be the star you are, that could make a difference for someone else, they seemed to come out of their shell to improve their quality of living and to really go on to excel in school or go on to do well in a job. And you can read many of these stories in the new book we just released, Be the Star You Are for Teens, where we have 38 contributors that have uh, contributed to this book. It's, it's really very heartwarming to see what the effects of volunteering and donating your services can do. To pick up a copy of the book, you can go to bethestarur.com and click on the store there, and you will be able to get the book. 
But I want to talk about the control factor. If you or anyone you know has ever gone through a hard time, in other words, I think everybody, if you're human, and we're all humans in training, we've all gone through hard times. There's always days that we don't want to get out of bed or we'd like to pull the covers up or we'd say, why me? But if you've experienced some of this, you've undoubtedly observed that people respond as differently to adversity as they do to the flavors of ice cream. Some people sail through problems with confidence and their optimistic flags are unfurled, and others absolutely fall apart when they face a similar situation. And they can spend weeks, months, or even years flailing in that quicksand of despair. So experts call this variable the resilience factor. Endless research dollars have been spent attempting to unlock the mysteries of despair and how it is that hope can keep us going. We want to be able to sail through life and to have fewer of us get stuck in the muck. But it's not clear what combination of genetics or upbringing or circumstance can make one person more resilient than the next. But what the experts agree on is that you can handle the setbacks better and you can reduce the image of yourself as a victim when you work to increase the sense of control over your life, which is what activism is all about. This is why we're calling this segment the Activism Cure. Heather and I just were talking about loving your job by changing your adjustment, you know, loving the job you're in, even if it's something you don't want to do, by knowing that it is not the end-all and be-all that you will be able to change, but you need to grow from it. You need to find ways to work with your boss. You need to keep away from negative coworkers. You need to network and stretch yourself, et cetera. But when you become an activist, and that means an activist of your own life, and you decide that you are the one that can make the difference in your life, you recover faster. And then when you put yourself in a position of feeling needed and competent, your anxieties dissipate. What's more, when we give back, it shifts the focus outside of ourselves. So doing things for other people, thinking about other people, is like giving yourself uh, and your brain a, a break. It's like giving you a, you know, a nano uh, break from the despair and the heartache. And uh, have you ever lost track of time? This is why when, for example, when I'm out in the garden, I lose track of time. Or yesterday, a few of the volunteers and I, we were having to move boxes of books from one storage room to another. I mean, when I say boxes, I'm talking about 80 boxes of books. So it took us several hours. It was back-breaking work. We had to reorganize everything. But what was interesting, none of us were complaining. We were all laughing and joking because we were labeling boxes that we were sending out to the the um, rape crisis center and to shelters and to other places that we knew that they needed a library of books. So the interesting thing was it was hard work. It was not paid work. But we felt like we were doing something that was making a difference. So how can you get a new approach? Well, maybe one day I believe that physicians and psychiatrists will actually be writing prescriptions for charitable donations, or at least maybe this is my dream, is that you'll go to your doctor and you'll be depressed and sad, and your doctor will write your prescription and say, go and volunteer at Be the Star You Are charity, or make a donation to Be the Star You Are charity, or for that matter, any charity of your choice. 
how great that would be if we have citizen actions instead of pills and psychotherapy. But for now, we can discover our activism cure on your own. For example, as we all know that uh, Laura Dean Mooney lost her husband, Mike, to a drunk driver uh, years, years back, but she dealt with the pain by joining Mothers Against Drunk Driving and telling her stories to offenders and DUI programs. Somebody else might have had a family member who died from cancer and became active in a cancer treatment therapy or uh, American Cancer Association. Find something that you're passionate about because then you make a vow to make a difference and then you feel that you have a mission in life. And when we find our passion, we find our purpose, and when we have a mission in life, we really and truly can make a difference for other people. I think that it helps our immune system get stronger when we volunteer and we become a a charitable activist. We get emotional help. Help and we get emotional health comes from feeling needed and being part of a group of like-minded people. So when you are feeling down, decide to make a difference. Decide that making a difference being an activist for a charity or a nonprofit is going to be the cure for a lot of crippling traumas that we have because you will be making a difference in somebody else. And now I just wanted to talk a little bit about ambition and how important having ambition is for you because ambition can be powerful. It helps a person mobilize his resources Ambition enables someone to face challenges and persist. Ambition prevents a person from giving up. And a person with a high degree of ambition will help to accomplish much more than someone with similar intelligence and skills, but without ambition. This gets back to wherever you are in life, whatever, wherever your job is, is have the ambition to overcome any laziness and a tendency to procrastinate. When you have an authentic ambition to excel in a certain area, you're going to put in the necessary time and energy to gain the knowledge and the practice and the skills that you need to go far in life. Ambition can help you overcome the potential obstacles that might get in the way. And the stronger your ambition, the less any obstacle can deter you from proceeding. So you want to be at peace with yourself and moreover you want to be kind and gentle with yourself and to get out there in the world and to balance your life by making a difference by giving back and I want to just give out the website for be the star you are again if you would like to volunteer your services or to get involved or make a donation, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. That's BeTheStarYouAre.org. And right there you can see the different ways in which you can help and in which you can make a difference. And also, you, while you're there, pick up copies of the books. In, this, in these days now, I think people need to read more inspiring, empowering, uplifting books. And definitely the books that we have here at Be The Star You Are can do that for you. The new book is Be The Star You Are for Teens. And it is a, uh, a book that, although it's written for teens, tweens, and young adults, 
everyone that has read it has given it a positive review. It's simple gifts for living, loving, laughing, learning, and leading. And the forerunner to that was Be the Star You Are, 99 Gifts for Living, Loving, Laughing, and Learning to Make a Difference. You can pick up these books or Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Miracle Moments, or The Business of Show Business by going to star-style.com and go to the Star Style Store. That's star-style.com and go to the Star Style Store. This is a, a, a verse that I like. It's called A Strong Woman and a Woman of Strength. A strong woman works out every day to keep her body in shape. A woman of strength kneels in prayer to keep her soul in, in shape. A strong woman isn't afraid of anything. A woman of strength shows courage in the midst of fear. A strong woman won't let anyone get the best of her, but a woman of strength gives the best of her to everyone. A strong woman makes mistakes and avoids the same in the future. A woman of strength realizes that life's mistakes are also blessings and capitalizes on them. A strong woman walks sure-footedly, and a woman of strength knows that there will always be a net to catch her when she falls. A strong woman wears the look of confidence on her face, and a woman of strength wears grace. A strong woman has faith that she is strong enough for the journey, and a woman of strength has faith that it is the journey that will make her strong. And I want to say we can just include the word man or woman because we all want to be people of strength. Well, what would you do differently if you were told you only had three years to live? When we come back from break, you're going to meet the man who was told just that, although it was 42 years ago. Reginald Jensen will be back with us. He's going to help us get healthy when we return on Star Style. Be the star you are. Stay with me. I'm Cynthia Bryan, and we will be back in a bit. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Apathy, violence, and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country. You can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting Be the Star You Are Charity, a 501c3 that empowers women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive media, and tools for living. Visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world. Everyone counts. That web address again is www.bethestarur.org. Be the star you are.org. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star style consultations with personalized sessions by phone or in person. You'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Two seven. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. 
You can be the star you are. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. You're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation to improve literacy and positive media. All contributions and donations are tax deductible. To comment on today's show, please call in toll-free at 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to info at bethestarur.org. Now back to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Be the star you are. Well, thank you so much for staying with me here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where authors and experts share their best advice to help you live your life to the fullest. Did you know that illiteracy is a $25 billion problem for American businesses? Help increase literacy and positive media by making a donation today to Be The Star You Are 501c3. Go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Okay, we all know that to be healthy, we must eat right, we must sleep eight hours a day, we must exercise. But why is it that such easy advice is difficult for us to follow? Well, at the age of 36, author Reginald Jensen's doctor told him that he had only three years left to live. He had a family history of heart disease combined with heavy smoking and heavy drinking habits. He had a lot to overcome, but instead of resigning himself to his fate, Jensen took charge of his health and made a difference. Forty-two years later, he is with us. His book is called 37 Years Ago, My Doctor Told Me I Had Three Years to Live. Welcome back, Reginald, to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Hey, thank you, Cynthia. You sound great. Thank you. Well, so do you. And you, uh, when you wrote the book, it was, it was 37 years ago. My doctor told me I had three years to live. But now it's actually 42 years that you have beat the odds and you have chronicled it in this book that people should pick up because so many people resign themselves to a death sentence. But you started, you cleaned up your ways, you started walking, exercising, quit smoking, quit drinking, and it changed your life, and here you are today. So let's talk about these new habits that you formed, because it's not a secret that exercise can keep us healthy and fit not a secret at all. You know, everyone hears the words. You hear them almost every day of the week uh, from some source or the other. But people just don't seem to want to do it. They're busy. They've got other things to do. And they feel good. They say, well, I don't need to do it right now. I'm okay. And then as they begin to age or they become ill, and they say, well, I'm getting too old or I don't feel good anymore, you know, they change their mind and they just don't keep it up. But for exercising, you have to establish a habit and then stick with it. You have to have the discipline to stick with it. Well, and this is what you have done over all these years, and I want you to talk about that. But before we do, I wanted to just say today I was on a, uh, a teleconference where we were talking about children 
and their habits. And, you know, we're in an epidemic today where when you were growing up as a child, you played a lot outside. When I was growing up as a child, we had a lot of unstructured play. But today, children are spending an average of seven and a half hours in front of some kind of electronic uh, device every single day. So it's more than 50 hours a week. It's like going to work. And what's happening is we're seeing such an increase in diabetes in children, in obesity, in uh, heart problems, and it all gets back to they are not outside. They are not getting any exercise. And your, I think your book could be helping kids and parents talk about the importance of having some kind of a a structure every day. So you actually started jogging, and it was tough for you in the beginning. Tell us about that. Okay, but let me make one comment on the children. There was a school teacher here in San Jose where I live who taught, uh, you know, the the grades one to to six, and when she'd go to school in the morning, she would take the children out around the track and make them walk or jog around the track for 20 minutes every day. And when she did that, she found that they were happier and they were healthier, and their their student performance in school went up dramatically. Now, unfortunately, she retired, but she demonstrated how important it is even for the youngsters. That's, you know, uh, what you just said is so, so important because that is a, a scientific statistic, is that exercising keeps the depression away from us. It helps our brains function more. And, in fact, they're doing a lot of studies these days with uh, Alzheimer's patients is if you can keep your brain moving, if you can get can keep exercising, you have a less of a chance of developing Alzheimer's. So I think what she was doing was innately correct. I mean, we do have to get up and off the couch and away from the television and the computer and all these things and get our bodies moving. Sure. You just have to set 20 or 30 minutes a day aside for it and go ahead and do it. Well, it had to have been uh, difficult. I mean, first of all, you had been moving quite a bit. You were under enormous stress. And I just want to remind our listeners that besides the book that we're speaking about today, which is 37 years ago, my doctor told me I had three years to live, Reginald Jensen is also the author of the very excellent book, Judicial Deception, which really showcased the inequality in our judicial system, the fraud, the bribery, and some of the negative things. And you had suffered through many such uh, stressors, major stressors, in your business in the insurance uh, and securities businesses for 50 years. So it was imperative when, at the age of 36 when you were diagnosed with three years to live that you change your lifestyle. I had to change my whole body. I had to change everything, my thinking, my lifestyle, everything, and I did. And if I didn't create a brand-new body, I would have been dead. The doctor was right. But I created a brand-new brand new body and did the things right, and, of course, I'm here. And, and I've suffered through as many stresses as anyone else I've ever known, and the exercising has solved all of them for me. You know, it was funny. You had a line in your book, uh, and I'm paraphrasing now here, how your wife at one point said to you, you like your exercise program more than you like the family. (laughs) And I, I had to chuckle because I know that that's a conundrum sometimes, but the reality was if you didn't keep your body healthy, 
you wouldn't have been there for your family. That's right. I would have been gone a long time ago. You would have been gone. So the reality was you had to. It was imperative that you put your health above just, you know, being at the dinner table or whatever it was that they wanted you to do because that's the only way you were ever going to be at the table with them. That's exactly right. If you don't mind, I'll mention one other thing that I think you you have a lot of younger listeners to your program, I believe. Oh yes, we do. Yeah, younger than me, I'm sure. <laughs> well, hey, you are you are only as old. I mean, when I say you, I mean all of us are only as old as we think, and we can hear it from your voice that you're just a teenager at heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're nice. But let me let me see if I can explain why it's so important for the. The people who are young, the younger people today, and maybe even the generation below the the baby boomers, boomers, to learn why they need to begin to exercise. And it's not just their own bodies, but it's financial. If they don't begin the process, they're going to be the nation will be bankrupt, and and they will be bankrupt, and the, the nation will really disintegrate. And I'll tell you why that is. Uh, just a couple of statistics that people might be able to deal with. Uh, first of all, if you take all of the assets that we have in the United States, you take the bridges, the buildings, stocks and bonds and money and your house and your car and your clothing, and add all of those up, it comes to about $55 trillion in value. If you calculate the present value of, of um, Medicare, and present value means you add up all of the costs in the future and then you discount them, say it's going to take less money today to pay for that, and that's discounting, and that's present value. That cost is going to be about $85 trillion. If you add to that the cost of, of Social Security, that's another $12 trillion. <clears throat> And then you add to that our current, the government's current debt, that's another $12 trillion. You can see that the liabilities we currently have far exceed the assets we have. So in, in financial terms, that's bankruptcy. Okay, now, if people exercise, though, if, if they'll just walk for 20 or 30 minutes a day, five days a week, they'll cut those medical costs in half. So they reduce that $85 trillion debt or obligation down to $42 trillion. And if they'll eat right and cut their weight down, they'll cut it back even 50% again so that the obligation is only 22 or $23 trillion. And all of a sudden, the country is, is solvent again. And they'll also think better, they'll be happier, and they'll be more productive, and they'll enjoy their lives. So there are two reasons, financially for a nation and for their own well-being and, and their own, their own uh, uh, health. There are a couple well, of reasons. You have sent me all this information, you know, about what we have as far as the future if we don't start taking care of our health. And it is a very sobering fact. I mean, I thought that the Cooper Clinic study with the effects of the cardiorespiratory fitness on healthcare utilization, where it demonstrated how we can reduce the medical care costs by more than 50% by doing moderate exercise like the walking for 20 to 30 minutes a day, five days a week. These are very encouraging uh, research and statistics, but it just seems that we as Americans are still lazy. And uh, this is why I liked your book. 37 years ago, my doctor told me I had three years to live because you had to, to design a routine that would work in your schedule. And you found that for you, like jogging uh, in the early morning or before lunch was better for you than later. But it was 
but it, but it is hard to change our schedules. It's hard to change our bad habits. Do you have a suggestion, Reginald, on how anyone can take the first step, no matter what age we are? Well, the first step is to say, well, I'm, I'm going to do this today, whether I like it or not, just like I'm going to get out of bed, or just like I'm going to eat breakfast, or I'm going to eat lunch, or I'm going to go earn a dollar. I'm going to do it. It's just part of my routine. And from here on out, I'm going to do that. And uh, I've got a, a nephew who picked, my, picked up my book and decided to do it. And for the last year and a half, he's been jogging and exercising, and he's dropped his weight down from 245 pounds to 190. And uh, he looks good, he feels good, and he's going to drop a few more pounds off. But he just, and he said it too. He said, I just decided it's something I'm going to do. That's all. So I work, he works it into his schedule, and I worked it into my schedule. But there were times that I would jog or exercise at 2 o'clock in the morning or 3 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning, sometimes at midnight, because I didn't have time at other times. So I'd do it before I'd go to bed or get up an extra hour early and do it then. So anybody can work it into their schedule once they put it into their mind that they're going to do it. Well, uh, Reginald, I think you've hit on the key is they really have to want it, don't they? Absolutely. And for you, what happened is that you had um, you had a life-altering experience. And sometimes that's when we get those aha moments. We're hit over the head with either a major illness or a death of a family member, or we get a bad diagnosis and we realize, oh, my goodness, if we don't change our lives, our lives are going to change us to the fact that we may not even have a life. Yeah, but, it might, might but be I too late just said is so critical is the fact that if you want to, you will. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a commitment that you make to yourself, but when you make it to yourself, you're making it to other people too. And there's another study that has been made. People's productivity increases dramatically from 50 to 100%. And, and I think you could understand that if if you look at somebody who's at work and they're healthy and happy and producing, somebody who's home in bed and they're sick, the person home in bed and is sick is not as productive as the person who's working. And then everybody has a variation of that. Well, maybe they feel a little bit bad, but not completely bad and not completely good. It's some kind of a, a range in there where they're really not up to par, but they're really not sick. But they're, they're not productive. They lose their productivity. But if you exercise, you, your productivity goes up and your depression goes down, and you don't have those kinds of problems that a lot of other people have. Well, now that I've read both of your books, Judicial Deception, and 37 years ago my doctor told me I had three years to live, now I understand how you made it through so successfully all those years of challenges that you chronicle in your book, Judicial Deception, because it was your exercise routine, I believe, uh, that attributed to you feeling good about yourself despite what was going on in the world around you. The one thing you could control was you. You hit the nail on the head. <laughs> you can't control other people, but you can control yourself. And there's no question, and that's got, what got me through all the problems. Uh, it no has to be, you know, because yeah. you don't talk about your exercise things uh, in your other book, but this one, this book, the 37 years ago my doctor told me I had three years to live, it absolutely is so inclusive of what we have to do to make our lives bearable and enjoyable. And 
The other thing that I get from this, too, is that you became a much happier person when you felt healthier. Oh, sure. Everybody does. Everybody does. You, and anyone can think of their own life, and when they feel good, they're happy. And when they don't feel good, they're not. Yeah, and, you know, we can look at people who are ill, and uh, if you're around that very much, you know, there's many caregivers out there. I find it really difficult to be around, um, I call them blamers and complainers, you know, <laughs> and sometimes people really are ill, and then other times it's a lot in their head because they are not taking care of themselves. And you just want to say, hey, just take a few steps, which is what you did, is and when you first started exercising, you couldn't even go a block. No, no, it almost killed me. I thought it'd be better to die than it would be to exercise. So it was very, very tough. <clears throat> Let me, now you brought up one thing. You, you mentioned reducing the risk of al al Alzheimer's. Yes. Now, if a person has a parent beginning to age, and there's a fear in their mind that maybe their parent might come down with Alzheimer's, if they'd go home and take a walk with them every day, Taking a 20-minute or 30-minute walk with a parent every day is a lot easier on their life than if they have to sit down and try to take care of them when they have Alzheimer's. So if that walk would prevent Alzheimer's, it does their parent good and does them good, and it just saves an awful lot of problems. Well, I think that what you're saying is good for anything, and not just Alzheimer's, but all diseases. Sure. Perhaps what we, as uh, as all families could get into a habit of doing is either before or after dinner taking a family walk, even a short walk, anything is going to be better. In your book, 37 years ago, my doctor told me I had three years to live, you have a chapter that's called My Recommendations, and you talk about commitment, you talk about uh, your keeping your heart healthy, you even go into, you know, tension and stress and rest and, and the cancer, etc. But the bottom line is, is if we take control of our own exercise regimen, we will be healthier. And I recommend that people pick this up and just see how you did it. If you can do it, anybody can do it, right? Sure, and you, you hit the nail on the, head, on the head again. Who's running your life? You're going to run your own life, or will you let outside sources take control of your life? Yeah, and why take a pill, Reginald, when we the you can take the pill of life, which <laughs> is just getting up and moving. We're, the prescription for life is to exercise, rest, be happy, and to just create a life. Design your own life so that your life doesn't design you. Yeah, well, you're, I want to just give out the name of your books once again. 37 years ago, my doctor told me I had three years to live. The author is Reginald Jensen. His other book is Judicial Deception. You can find more information about him at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com under our distinguished guests where he has a site. And your books are available at Amazon and bookstores and any place that you can buy a book, correct? You're, you're right. All right. Reginald, thank you again for coming back and being a guest here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. And I hope that you will be back again soon. Maybe you have another book coming. Okay, Cynthia, thanks and good luck to you. Thank you, Reginald. Okay. You've been listening to Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. We hope that you have been inspired and motivated and encouraged to take charge of your own life, to go out into the day and remember that no one has walked this earth with your exact combination of inborn and acquired strengths and skills and talents 
you are one of a kind. Look in the mirror, admire yourself. You're a wonder of creation. Until we celebrate next week, I'm Cynthia Bryan thanking you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. We'll talk next week. Make it a great one. Thanks again for listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. For more information about Be the Star You Are nonprofit corporation, please visit bethestaryouare.org. That's bethestaryouare.org. Join Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany again next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time, here on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Remember, to be a leader, you must be a reader. Enjoy a stellar week. You're a seeker, a dreamer, with courage to give. Every special 